Our scripture lesson today is taken from the final chapter of the Gospel of John. This is a follow-up to uh, two lessons we've had the last couple of weeks. And the Gospel of John appears to end uh, at the end of chapter 20. But then chapter 21 begins as kind of an epilogue to the Gospel. So hear now the Word of God. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, For they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish. A hundred and fifty-three of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Lord, it is good to be here to dwell in worshipful music, to remember stories by which we experienced what it means to trust you and to trust your guiding and welcoming and door-opening hand. And I hope that this time, this moment, would be like unto a door opening for us here, that what I say and what, what we hear uh, may be part of, of that for us. Uh, in your name we pray. You are our rock and you are our redeemer. Amen. So at Westminster, 
we pride ourselves as being a fairly well-educated lot. So I'm going to ask you to fill in the blank. Do so in your mind, and we'll see how many of you got it right, okay? So, three point one four one five blank. I saw one person say it. How many of you, you got a number? Everybody have a number? Okay, how many of you have nine? Yeah, smart congregation. How many of you did not have nine? The rest of you, raise your hand. Let's get all through. Okay. Um, hopefully, many of you recognize this number as pi, uh, which you perhaps learned in math class back in the day. If you were a child still here among us and you haven't studied what pi is yet, pi is a number that helps us know how the length between one end of a circle and the other end of the circle relates to how long the actual line of the circle is. I think I got that right. <laughs> Um, and it is indeed 3.14159. Because that number, pi, begins with 3, I want to begin this sermon with three points about pi that I think will help us today. The first point is that the details of pi's decimals matter. If we had, for example, the number 3.14153, instead of 9, we would no longer have a number that we could call pi. And if we inserted that into the circular formula, it would actually create a sort of circle. I'm sure it would look a lot like a circle, but it would be a circle with a hitch, a little imperfection. And if that circle existed in real life, we would have cars whose tires did not go as smoothly on the road. We would have a Olympic seal whose five-circled intercontinental harmony would be slightly less harmonious. We would have a Westminster logo. If you look at your bulletins, you can look at that one in the sermon. And our logo, which is a circle, would balance our four essential themes and thrusts of our congregation in a less equal way. There would be perhaps less room for worship or education or mission or fellowship. The details of pi matter. That's the first point. Number two, as important as pi is to a circle, pi is not a circle in and of itself, or even a building block of a circle. If we asked a first grader to draw a circle, she would not open her backpack grab a pencil, a piece of paper, and then the number 3.14159. Pi by itself is not a thing. It's a ratio. Or rather, it's an expression of an important relationship in a circle between diameter and circumference. Pi matters primarily as a relationship expressed in decimals. That's number two. Number three, pi is complex. Mathematicians refer to it as, quote, an irrational number. Its decimals do not follow a predictable pattern. They keep going and going, never repeating themselves. But paradoxically, it's through the never-ending and non-patterned complexity of pi 
that we are able to observe the elegant and infinitely looping simplicity of a circle. Because of pi, we can see that complexity and simplicity are not enemies of one another, but expressions of one another. The rational circle bears the imprint of an irrational number. That's number three. Now, before you all go Don McLean on me and demand a buy to this American pie, oh, it wasn't that bad. Let me explain why I'm throwing all this pie in your face. <laughs> in today's resurrection story, which narrates the third appearance of the risen Christ in John's Gospel, we have what we may call a pie-like stream of details that on their own may seem insignificant or even irrationally absurd. We have Jesus appearing after daybreak to the disciples after a dark night of no-luck fishing. We have Jesus calling the disciples' children, inviting them to cast their net on the right side of the boat. We have Peter, a naked fisherman, throwing on his clothes before going into the water rather than taking them off. We have a boat that's a hundred yards from the shore, and we have a charcoal fire, a net not torn, filled with exactly 153 fish. And we have a meal of fish and bread hosted by Jesus at the Sea of Tiberias. If we look at these details of this story and look at them in context of the whole Gospel of John, we'll see perhaps that there are relationships, there are connections. By placing the scene in the morning after the night of empty nets, John may be evoking Mary and her pre-dawn discovery of the empty tomb. Jesus calling the disciples children may be hearkening back to the prologue where John writes that all who come to believe in the word of God will be called children of God. I really do love the utter absurdity of the image of Peter fishing in the nude, scrambling to put on clothes before jumping in that water. Maybe that's a connection to Jesus removing his own outer garments to wash Peter's feet in the water. And maybe that charcoal fire is important because it's the same kind of fire by which Peter was warming himself when he vehemently denied even knowing Jesus, to whom he had just, just given his oath of loyalty unto death. I could stop throwing all of these details at you, but they're kind of the point. There's the net, not torn, even though it's filled with fish. Just like the soldiers perhaps chose not to tear the tunic of the crucified Christ in all of his abundance. And that meal, of course, fish and bread, might remind us of the meal of fish and bread that Jesus served to the thousands miraculously before he got on a boat off of the very same shores of the very same sea later in the story. All these details ooze with 
symbolic meaning and resonance, but there are some that can be just random. 153 fish in that net. That number is perhaps as unimportant as, unimportant as the 153rd decimal of pi. Change it to 152, 154. The story would not change in a significant way. Or maybe if the disciples had been told to throw the net on the left side of the boat, would that have changed things much? Perhaps not in a significant way. But if you change those details, you change the moment. You change the story. You change the expression of resurrection. Just like changing the fifth decimal of pi would change a circle. The details matter. We often don't speak of details in a way that we think they matter. Details, details, we say. The devil lives in the details. And there's truth in that. People in this town stress a lot about details. Because who knows what slippery slope tax break or tax increase the other side has snuck into an omnibus appropriations bill? Who knows what nefarious provision has been inserted into the trade agreement? The voting public craves with ease the big idea, but bores easily with the detailed policies needed to achieve them. Generally speaking, pun intended, we are a people who greet generalities with a kiss. Keep it simple, silly. And then there's the song by the Shakers, "'Tis a gift to be simple." Tis a gift to be free. But when a math professor, of which we have at least two in our worshiping community, and I know at least one here today, when the professor grades the exam, she does not look only for the simple answer at the end. She demands that the student show the details of his work. How one arrives at the answer is just as important as the answer itself. When the metro engineer inspects the tracks, we hope at least that she just doesn't look at the end of the line because our safe passage through the miles depends on the sound status of inches to get us to the destination of resurrection. The writer of John could have simply written, Christ is risen, Christ is risen indeed. But if he had, we would only have a generality, not a resurrection. John gives us the glorious details. John shows us the work. And in that work, we see that the devil alone does not dwell in the details. Christ does. Christ is in the details. In the number of fish, in the time of day, in the smell and the composition of the fire. As Pastor Steve Garnes Holmes writes, if resurrection isn't about real lives, our real lives, then what good is it? The real life details matter. But it's also important to say that we do not worship the details. 
They are not Christ. They are not the resurrection by themselves. Just as 3.14159 is in itself not the circle. In a different gospel, Jesus, and you might remember this moment, promised the disciples that God their Father knew the number of hairs on their head. And that number by itself is meaningless. It's trivia. It matters, however, because it expresses a relationship. God knowing that detail of each of us, that number of hairs on our heads, some high, some lower, matters because it expresses the depths of God's relationship with us. The message here, though, is not that we need to be more detail-oriented in all things and all times, because we do need big ideas. We need big-picture thinking. We can get lost in the details or miss seeing the forest for the trees. But the opposite is true also. We can miss seeing the trees without which there would be no forest. Speaking of forest, if life is like a box of chocolates, if life is like a box of chocolates, it won't be much of a life if we don't actually delight, attend to, enjoy each individual chocolate. We won't enjoy the forest of resurrection without seeing and delighting or at least noticing the branches and twigs of its details. And thank goodness, John gives us those details in abundance. And thank goodness, so do our lives. To borrow the title of a great book, we are all living the life of Pi. At our beginning is a three. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Whatever happens after that three remains within the dominion of the three. But the stream of decimals proceeds unpredictably, often irrationally, as do the number of our days. One day we score a 94 on the test, the other day a 73. One day when the nurse asks us to rate our pain, we give it a 4. The other day, a 9. One day, the checking account balance looks very different than the day before. Each day that we live, each day a different number, with no predictable pattern, no discernible end. But in spite of that irrationality, that unpredictable stream of ups and downs, someone like Harry Chapin can sing... All my life's a circle. Sunrise and sundown, the moon rolls through the nighttime till the daybreak comes around. All my life's a circle, but I can't tell you why the season's spinning around again. The years keep rolling by. There's no straight lines make up my life, and all my roads have bends. There's no clear-cut beginnings, and so far, No dead ends. 
all of our life is a circle. But not merely because the sun rises and falls. Not merely because spring comes and then winter comes back and then spring comes and winter comes back. All our life's a circle. Because behind simplicity is our beautiful complexity. And through the irrational stream of decimals of our lives, we may still yet arrive to the symmetry and balance of a sphere. All our life's a circle, eternal, because of resurrection, which we experience not in generalities, but in the specifics. In someone who stood at a beach at daybreak and watched a boat inhabited by fishermen tending an untorn net teeming with exactly 153 fish. At his feet burned a charcoal fire, and near him stood a once naked disciple, now clothed and sopping wet. Gathered with them were those whom the word called children, who were fed a memory-quenching meal of fish and bread. Details. Details. If all of our lives matter, and they do, then so do their details. Details that express our eternal relationship with that figure on the beach who dwells with us in those details and knows them and knows us and who we are down to the very last hair on our heads. No straight lines make up our lives, but in Christ there are no dead ends. So that Where in our streets the children scream, the lovers cry, and the poets dream, the church's word is yet spoken. Resurrection's music does not die. I hope you enjoy the pie. Amen.